This is Unlearned, a self-rising production. I'm Jamie. And I'm CA. And we are your hosts. This is a podcast all about deconstructing who we are and exploring who we are becoming. Hello. We are back. We want to remind you that we have a Patreon. And in case you want to know, we have a new episode of our podcast within a podcast on so uh make sure you check that out also our producer is amazing and has the best show notes so if you ever want to have links to anything any of our you know socials or the patreon it's in our show notes all right so what are we talking about today ca okay so today we are talking about how to kind of move forward we're we're talking about this you know this whole healing process right so how do we move forward in relationships um, where we've, we're carrying a lot of trauma from childhood or past relationships. And specifically what we're honing in on is how the brain builds narratives around life. And like we build belief systems basically about life and about people and about relationship and all of this. And for those of us who have come from a lot of trauma, a lot of times those narratives can be a detriment to forming new healthy relationship patterns. Because what we've done is we've basically laid, we've gathered all of this data in our brains. And what's really tricky about this, guys, is that the data is valid. Like you were validly in traumatic situations, whether we're talking about your family, you know, of origin, like your upbringing or traumatic things that happened with friends in school, relationships, all of that. So the brain has logged all of this data and created this entire belief system and this narrative about how to trust people or not trust people, how to be vulnerable or not vulnerable, what, you know, emotional sharing feels like and looks like and how scary that is. And so all of that is in there. And now we have these like systems and structures in our mind kind of guiding how we relate and interact with people. And so where, where the tension is, is as we are in our healing journeys, we do start to find ourselves wanting to have healthier attachments and healthier relationships with the people in our lives. And it's almost like our brain sometimes gets in the way and our nervous system, it's very body-based sometimes as well. We're like, we want to trust this person or relate in a certain way, but there's like, literal like barriers in the way because our brains are saying like, well, no, you can't trust that person because remember that other time when you trusted that person and they lied to you and they hurt you and et cetera, et cetera. So essentially we kind of want to give some examples here and talk about how do we productively like actively build skills around making sure that we're not inserting old narratives into new stories in our life. And one of the ways I conceptualize this in my brain sometimes is I really do think of it like a story. So I think about this, like this old narrative that we have in this, like, it's like a book, right? (laughs) It's like, I'm looking at this old book and that's where all these old stories are. And when I'm moving forward in my healing journey, whether I'm starting a new relationship with somebody or just really focusing on like even my own relationship with myself, it's almost like a fresh, clean, brand new open book with blank pages. And when I start writing this new story, how do I actually build skills that allow me to write it in a new way without inserting all of those old narratives from the past that are really kind of 
almost hardwired into our brains at that point. Right. I'm going to give you a parallel here. I'll tell you guys like a personal story. So think about like the trauma brain, right? And how the trauma brain typically has some kind of evidence that a real problem occurred. So for example, and I'm going to give you guys like my childhood, a little brief childhood. I think some of you guys know this, but I lost my dad when I was really young and I would have people, I would have this very valid fear that when people would leave the house, they wouldn't return, like that they would die. And I would have like professionals, I'd have adults look at me and they're like, that's a little bit irrational, like the car is safe and that person's health is fine. And I would look at them with this very valid fear and I would say, my dad was here one day and the next he was dead. So you're telling me that people can go and leave the house and be in safe vehicles and have perfect health and that they're going to be fine. But my brain has proof that that's not true. Right. And so when you think about these people in relationships, this is what's starting to occur with complex trauma. And then we have like some of these like incidental traumas where people are like right, very firmly proving that they're untrustworthy. Right. Those people that are now going into new relationships are nervous. They're like, I'm nervous that you're going to be late for work or sorry, you know, late coming home. And you're going to say it's because you got stuck in traffic. And that's easy. Like, I can't really prove that that was true. So my brain will validly say that there is a reason for you to be like, not trusted in this moment. There's a valid reason for me to not trust you because there's proof that this exact scenario happened and it really ended up turning into something that was a complete lie, completely manufactured, completely hurting me time and time and time again until it took many times for that person to violate my trust for me to get to the point where I was like, oh, oh, that's what's happening, right? So now when my partner's late, I don't get the luxury to not develop that association. I don't get the luxury to, to immediately trust them because my brain is screaming at me. This is exactly like that one time. And this happened so many other times with that partner. And don't you remember when that happened? And so you're absolutely validly having a response to them being late for like 45 minutes because this isn't a common occurrence. And your brain is really struggling with trying to decipher, okay, I really am looking at this person and there's no real reason why I shouldn't believe that they were stuck in traffic, but my brain is saying that you have to protect yourself and you have to make sure that you're not being lied to. So in some cases, some folks here will insert a narrative and they will be like, there's no proof that there was traffic and I have there I, I don't know if you met up with someone after work. Like that's kind of what I feel right now. So with the traffic example, one of the things I really want to kind of take a moment to make space here for is the partner's point of view. Um, because this is this is really why we're trying to do this work about how do we how do we make sure that we're not using these old narratives is so that we don't hurt the new people in our lives, right? And so we kind of think about from the partner's point of view, they are just that, like, they're just like living their life. And for them, traffic might be a normal 
occurrence for them like three, four times a week. They get stuck in traffic and they just pop on a podcast and they just do what they do. And they don't know to be sensitive to anything with you because this is normal for them and it's not triggering for them. And they're not aware that you might have a history of having been lied to and having partners literally use traffic as an excuse for why they were late, but really it was because they were like out with somebody else. So from their point of view, they're just trying to live their life. But this is why we want to have that like kind of healthy communication and it does take vulnerability. So say you then do go ahead and have that conversation with them, right? And you say, hey, this is something I'm struggling with here. When when you're late, you know, I am really struggling to feel like comfortable <laughs> because I blah, 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 you know, give you give your history. I've been lied to in the past and it makes me uncomfortable when I, you're just off the grid for a really long time. Is there a way that you can kind of like check in with me more when things like that happen? And so maybe they take the feedback, right? Like say this is a good, healthy relationship and they take the feedback and they're like, oh, geez, I didn't even realize that that would be an issue. Like, sure, like I can be more sensitive to that, right? And so they're trying to show up in a healthier way for you. And this is what sometimes happens is the brain is like still looking for the evidence of the old narrative. And so even as the new partner is really actually trying to show up in a better way for you, your brain is going to struggle for a while to like log a new pattern and trust a new pattern and trust a new partner because you really you've dealt with so much pain and it's working overtime to protect you from experiencing that pain again. And this is where I do want to give space to the partner's point of view, because at what point are we punishing our new partners for the crimes of our exes or the crimes of our, you know, childhood caregivers or childhood bullies? And at what point is it not fair to them? Right. Because they're like, I'm doing the best I can. Like I am trustworthy. Like I don't know how to get you to trust me when like, I'm literally not doing anything wrong, you know? I think what's interesting here, and I always try to play like as the listener hearing this, like what might be some of the immediate reactions. And I I think back to the example I use with my dad, where there was no evidence and we had years of seemingly good health and all of a sudden the story changed. Right. And so I was thinking about this and there are people that are listening that probably have had this occur that like they were in a relationship that was never violent for like years. And then someone started drinking or something massively changed or all of a sudden there was never a problem with trust or uh, faithfulness and all of a sudden infidelity crept in. And you're like, wait, I did, there wasn't any proof CA, like there wasn't any reason for me to like track back and see the issue. And I couldn't have foreseen that shift in the story. So my brain is purposefully trying to create these parameters to try to protect me from falling into that trap again. So for example, like I'm going to, you know, um, call my person's workplace three times a day to make sure they're there, right? Or I'm going to, uh, you know, have every single password of my partner and I'm going to. So now we're leaning into like trust narratives, but like I want you to hear how this can become 
almost off balance, right? So if someone's like, well, there wasn't proof in my past relationship and there still was an issue, right? So I need to create as many safety parameters around my new relationship to make sure it doesn't fall into the same trap. But I feel like I've said this before in the podcast, but when we ask the wrong question, we get the wrong answer. So for example, if I keep saying that the only solution to this is that I have to create more parameters and more check-ins with my partner and make sure that they have, I don't know, like less and less autonomy so I can be keeping them on track. It's like we're solving the wrong problem. Like you can alleviate some of the like, assumed narratives that could fall into place. Like if I have their location and then I see that they're stuck in traffic for 25 minutes, now I can confirm, okay, I don't have to reassign the narrative. They definitely were in traffic for 25 minutes. Except now, you know, this is the big long game. Is that actually targeting the wound? Here's the thing. I really want to be sensitive to like, the trauma brain and body and how very real and visceral that is. And I don't want to like downplay that because it can seem all easy and fluffy to be like, oh yeah, like your partner's showing up in a good way. Just trust them. Like easier said than done, right? Um, a lot of this stuff is like really hardwired into our systems and our neuropathways and all of that. So an example I like to think I like to use to kind of talk about this stage of like skill building is I think about like a physical injury. So if you experienced a really intense physical injury to, you know, like both of your legs, right. And you had like a car accident or something and you blew out your hips and your knees and whatever, when it's time to start recovering from that, it's not like you just get up out of the hospital bed and immediately start running a marathon the next day, right? Like we cannot expect that to be a, a like possible thing for our bodies to be able to do. Well, the tr- the traumatized brain is like a physical injury and when we start building skills around that type of an injury, we want to think about it the same way we think about like physical therapy and recovering from that type of an injury, which it happens in steps and phases and we start with a lot of support and then we gradually build up strength in our bodies to where we can slowly start using less and less support and hopefully eventually able to walk fully unsupported again. So with regards to this type of thing, right, where we're learning how to like trust and learning emotional vulnerability and learning not to use old narratives, all of that. In the beginning, it might look like a lot of those supports we were talking about, right? Like you, it might be a valid ask for your partner, for you to say like, hey, while I'm, we're still like getting to know each other and build trust with one another, it would be really helpful if, you know, we could have more of these check-ins and like, if you're going to be late, you know, just kind of let me know and check in with me like every like hour, whatever feels reasonable, right? Like just like a little something so that I know that you're still like on your way, et cetera. In the beginning, it might feel like that is what's needed. And that's actually valid, right? Like, I I don't want to downplay that and say that, oh, that's always bad and that's always toxic. You should never ask those things. I think in a very brand new relationship, there can be like some really valid asks of our partners about how to make each other comfortable while we build this trust together. But the goal here, right? Same thing with physical therapy is like, 
if in physical therapy, you you start off, you know, with like braces and a walker and all of these things as you start learning how to walk again, you know, hopefully eventually, okay, now we can lose the braces and just use the walker. Okay. And then you do that for a few weeks and then we go from a walker to a cane and then from a cane to nothing, et cetera. Right. So think about those types of like trust building supports in the same way you think about those sort of physical supports in physical therapy. Hopefully, eventually you can like lose the walker and then lose the cane. But these things do take time and you can expect that, you know, there there comes a time when your partner might be like, do you think we're ready to like, has, has there been enough trust built up here now where like we don't have to do those like hourly check ins and, you know, be honest with one another and be open about that sort of thing. But Yeah, I always like to use that example because I think people get down on themselves and get a little bit like, oh, like there's something wrong with me that I don't know how to trust and I this, that, and the other thing. And I really kind of want to dispel some of the shame around that and give you sort of like an example, like a framework to think about this, that like it's okay to use a lot of support in the beginning as long as the ultimate goal is to eventually actually be skill building and trust building as you move along so that eventually, you know, you don't want to have to use a walker for the whole rest of your life, essentially. So taking the walker example, if we want to talk about what are some tangible ways that we can apply to these relationships that are mimicking taking the walker away or kind of exposing ourselves to that strengthening practice that can happen inside of a relationship. Like see, I made that point in the beginning. It's almost as though we have to practice this in action, like in the action of relating to people, right? And so why this becomes so tricky is if I'm looking at someone, they're like, so I just have to trust them, really. Like you're telling me that I just have to like, after all these years, I just have to like hold my breath and trust that when they're late, I don't need to like hover over Life360 or whatever it is to like get clarity. And it's like CA is talking about, we do not have to shoot the moon. You do not have to expose yourself and re-traumatize yourself and like take all of the securities away and fumble around unable to kind of function. No, we're talking about if you can create almost systematic practices that give you almost a way to practice that, in this case, let's say trust, like practice the trust. Uh, Let's talk about ways we could kind of implement some of those things. So when me and CA were brainstorming, one of the things we were talking about that might be useful for, for you relationally, you know, with your partner would be And mind you, I just want to clarify something. This could also happen in like friendships. It's not something that has to be in intimate partnerships because you can kind of, you know, trauma likes to do the whole generalization thing. So it can definitely apply to, I don't trust my friends. All my friends are lying to me. I don't really care. Like, I don't know. I don't believe them when they say they're not available. They're lying to me, that kind of thing. So I wanted to add that caveat because that can happen. So if we're practicing this in a relational sense with intimate partners or our friendships. What I want you to start practicing is processing the tension that comes up. Okay. So processing the tension that comes up is going to take a few skills in and of itself. You have to have some awareness skills. 
of noticing tension, noticing the pressure building, noticing your body, right? Embodiment work is kind of part of this, right? Noticing the tension in your body. All right. So if you're noticing that tension and you're at the point where you can get to that level of awareness, that would be when we would practice the processing of that tension. So first things first, processing the tension internally, right? So we don't have to immediately go to the external. We don't have to immediately go to the partner. We can start with the relationship with self. So that would look like, hey, Jamie, I'm noticing tension around this experience. I'm noticing that whenever your partner is even five minutes late, you're spiraling into these narratives of like, he's with somebody else. He's texting somebody in the car. He's meeting up with someone. He's planning this for whatever. I'm noticing that because I see that pattern that anytime there's five minutes late, my brain will go into those narratives. So I'm already noticing those things. So if I'm dialoguing with myself, it's going to look like that. I'm going to start saying, what's going on with that feeling? And if I can get to the point, like what CA's talking about, hey, that's our protection. You, you know why we do that. Like we're trying to protect you. Like we've been burned so many times. There have been so many people that have lied to us and manipulated us. And that's our protection. Like I don't see a problem with it, right? There might be a part of you that's like, that's chill. I'm actually going to keep doing that. I don't know why you're calling this to action. Like this is our default, right? And our, And that part of you might be so validly like, Why would I even question that? Like we need to protect ourselves, right? Except when we're developing these new muscles, we're kind of saying, well, thank you for bringing this up. Like, thank you for trying to support me through this tension. Except if I have to practice learning to trust my partner, me ruminating that they're in a car sexting a girl is actually really hard for me to process. I don't know if that mechanism is useful for me. I don't know if it's protecting me. I think in this case, I need to reevaluate the conversation I'm having with myself, right? So it's almost like you're meeting that like crossroads in your brain where you're saying that used to help me kind of cross reference and protect me because that partner was really harmful and it was trying to keep me safe. Except now I don't know if I need that skill set anymore. I don't need that protective barrier anymore. I kind of need to move forward. So this is all happening inside of you. All right. And you are dialoguing with the tension, you're dialoguing with the dynamic, and you're saying, okay, well, I feel the tension. I'm noticing the tension. I'm going to put that tension into context. We've talked about this in different episodes, but putting it in context means what is happening now in this moment with this relationship and with the parameters surrounding us, right? What's happening here? If I can put this into context, what's going on? Okay. So you're dialoguing with that. You're trying to put it into context. It doesn't mean it's going to magically go away, but you're slowly trying to talk yourself into a place of processing the tension through. So there's two steps here, and this is why I'm showing it through this lens. We have that dialogue going on with the self. 
And if you can get to the point where you're like, I think I can articulate this enough that it doesn't sound like super confusing and it, it really tracks in my brain and I can like validate it and actually hold space for it and navigate it enough. I think I'm now in a place where I can bring this processing to the relationship it's affecting. So that in this case, it could be friendships for some people, but in this case, it's going to be the partner. So now I'm talking to the partner, hey, I kind of have, you know, the emotional consent. I have something that I need to work on. Like, I mean, I'm kind of trying to process through, do you have like a half an hour, 45 minutes for us to check in about it later after dinner? Your partner agrees. And then you bring up to them, I'm noticing a pattern that I might be projecting some of my fears onto you when it comes to you having some of the traffic things that you run into and some of the late meetings. I'm realizing I'm inserting some narratives. You might have even caught it a few times where I passively aggressively say, well, I sure hope that's what you were doing, right? And then you might have given me a side eye and passed it on. But like, that's what that was. That's what that was. It was a fear that I'm nervous that this isn't what you're saying it is. And so now I'm getting to the point where I'm trying to process through this tension. And this is what that looks like with you. I'm trying to bring you inside of this energy with me and trying to help you understand so we can both explore and develop new strategies around some of this tension. So I'm not consistently reassigning the narrative in a way that's not Mm -hmm. fair to you and actually possibly harming us in the long run. No, that's so good. And I think the reason why that first, that whole like processing the tension part is so important is because that's what allows you to show up to this relationship conversation in an honest way. And with the ability to clearly and directly talk about what's actually happening. Because like you alluded to, what ends up happening is that if you don't do that tension processing, this stuff is going to show up anyway, but it's going to show up passively or passive aggressively or subtextually. And it's going to, it's going to get real messy, real tangled, real quick. (laughs) And all of a sudden you're going to have like all these weird dynamics with your partner that take so much work to untangle Because it all stemmed down to you kind of like subconsciously applying narratives to them that were not necessarily explored directly out in the open, out in the light, and, you know, dynamics get established. So that's why that whole first step is really, really important. So that way, when you show up to these conversations, it's really clear what this conversation is about. There's like a very specific thing that you're trying to gain clarity about and dispel any confusions that there might be um, between the two of you about this particular topic. Right now we're talking about the, you know, the trust thing and the like showing up late thing because, you know, your partner. So from the other end, now your partner is receiving this information from you and it's clear and it's honest and it's vulnerable and they're able to go, oh, wow. Okay. And maybe they don't have the same relationship trauma history you do. So maybe for them, it wasn't a big deal to get, you know, regularly like they in their life before they knew you or met you, 
it's a very common occurrence for them to get stuck in traffic for 30, 40 minutes. And, you know, they've been commuting for the past eight years at this job and it's just like normal for them. And they just pop on a podcast and zone out and they don't think to check in with you or whatever, because like, that's just their normal and they have no reason to think that there's anything wrong with that, you know? And so they would go, Oh, wow. I can see why given your history, this <laughs> dynamic brings up tension for you and because they care about you and they are hopefully developing a healthy dynamic with you. This is where I talked about, this is where there are reasonable ways to support one another through developing new healthy relationship dynamics and overcoming past relationship trauma because it is reasonable for them to go, okay, I get it. And if it helps you, if I see that I'm coming up against traffic, like I'll totally shoot you a text and let you know that that's what's going on. And let me explain this to you from my perspective, right? And then that's where they would tell you. I've literally been doing this commute for eight years and it's super hit or miss. And at this point, I've just kind of gotten used to it. Like sometimes there's traffic, sometimes there's not. That's why it was so casual and nonchalant for me because like I'm just super used to it at this point. But thank you for explaining what that's like, what that experience is like from your perspective. Like let's develop an understanding here. We're moving forward. You know, you have some sense of, a greater sense of comfortability with this dynamic. And I also have a sense of comfortability of what I can do to like soothe that in a sense. Okay. So that's that step. Right. And then there actually is the next step, right? Cause that's almost, that's like a, we're, we're in that process, right? We're in that physical therapy process. So like, this is how we slowly start losing the walker. So you've had that open communication, that dialogue What there is to think about moving forward at that point is now your partner does start showing up in that new way because you had this conversation. And so you're getting a little bit more communication from them about those gaps in time and what might happen to you on the receiving end is your overprotector voice is still going to kind of want to nag and say, Yeah, but remember that one boyfriend who said that and it was a lie. (laughs) Yeah, but remember when they lied. Yeah, but remember. And so this is the part where it takes, it's it's an awareness and an application thing where you're going to go, okay, yeah, I do remember that. And this is a different dynamic. This is a different person. We're, you know, check your book cover again, right? We're writing a new narrative this time. And so... Whenever the new partner shows up in that new way from that conversation that you had, you have to actually allow your brain to log it as new information, not old information, not the old narrative. You actually have to be bringing like active awareness to your brain. And sometimes this looks like actually saying it out loud. I do this a lot when I'm working on like self-trust stuff and like self-love things inside myself where I actually say out loud when I notice something that's evidence towards the new pattern 
And, and this is really important when we're developing new patterns, like overcoming old neural pathways. We actually have to like bring a lot of active awareness to a new pattern so that our brain like logs it, like literally like logs the data and starts developing a new pattern in your brain. So when your partner texts you, you know, they're mindful of it and they, they gave you a text and you, you, you sit there and you go, okay, wow, my partner remembered that conversation we had and they texted me. That was so great of them. Like, yay, like points, points to developing the new, the new narrative, right? So that way, hopefully, eventually, this starts to become a more comfortable default setting for your brain to kind of like accept that this is the new narrative. This is the new pattern. And it takes repetition. Yeah. I mean, when we talk about pattern recognition, we talk about that in toxic relationships and healthy relationships. And that's where both of these things are so important, where if you don't have pattern recognition on either end, there are going to be things that are missed that need to be accounted for. So like in a toxic relationship, we need to pay attention when someone's consistently lying to us and then there's consistent evidence that that's a lie and then there's consistent like behaviors that are not tracking with each other right and if we're just ignoring it ignoring it and saying oh no it's fine it's fine it's it's all good like that's a problem right same thing with a healthy relationship though if someone's showing up with a new strategy and they're like hey this is actually evidence that i paid attention to our conversation, I'm implementing the conversation, I'm developing this new strategy, and the old narrative is just keeps continuing to be applied, that's disregarding the new pattern that's developing. It's disregarding the new story that's getting written. And to be fair, you know, if I play devil's advocate for someone, they'd be like, well, I did the same thing. I did everything right. And then my partner actually ended up still like, were they in traffic? Sure. And then eventually they were like, I don't know, like, I might as well just hang out with her or something. And it did turn into something. And I go, even in those cases, right, if I play the ultimate <laughs> devil's advocate where someone looked as though they were very, very healthy and they were doing everything right, it's still a new story. It's still a new story, which means that those elements that you're seeing that might be opportunities to not trust your partner, if you take the exact same X or multiple X's and take all of their like behaviors and apply it to your new partner, that I'm sure I'm going to get hate on this, but that's also not fair because you almost have to ask yourself, all right, well, there's a couple of things that are throwing my radar flags. It's yellow flags, not red flags, yellow flags. Okay. So I'm seeing my partner not talk to me as much at the end of the day. I'm seeing my partner spend a lot more time on their phone, right? I don't, I've made a thing that I don't, you know, watch their phone. I don't, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm practicing the strengthening of that muscle, except I'm keeping myself aware that like there has been a tangible shift in the energy. So Here's where I want to actually clarify some things because this is the this is so 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 hard to do. So to me this is like a next level like self-growth task or whatever. But if you can get to the point where your partner is shifting in some way or something's occurring in the relationship that you know is off. Okay? And you can 
dialogue with that partner for what is occurring in your relationship and not retroactively applying old narratives from past really, 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 really harmful dynamics, it will help you in the long run because what's going what to what's gonna happen is you are going to be able to hold space in a way that you didn't have access to in the in the previous relationship. So for example, you notice an energy shift, okay? You notice your partner disengaging. It might be so tempting to be like that's the proof. See, that was that's the snowball effect. I see a tiny little movement of the energy shifting and that's my proof that they are definitely in an affair. When in reality, they could be struggling with their mental health. They could be really struggling with maybe something really core, like a religious ideology or a sexual sexuality ideology or something that's really, really hard to process. And they're trying to do that work inside of themselves. We don't know. But if you are a partner that really does want to know, and even let's say, even if this is the hardest one, hardest one, ready? Even if that means they're struggling with the dimension of your relationship, the dynamic of your relationship, right? So they're like, I don't know. I don't feel as connected to you right now. And I'm trying to figure out why, right? If you hear your partner say that, and that immediately triggers all of the people that have hurt you in the past, and you immediately say, so what, this is over? That partner has no safety to explore their feelings. They don't. They can't explain to you how they feel distant because they don't know what it is. And it doesn't necessarily mean there's an affair. It doesn't even mean there's an emotional affair. It doesn't mean if anything's going on. It just might mean they feel distant and they don't know what's going on. So that makes them feel un- feel uneasy. And when they feel as though you're off limits to process that with, there's now this like, there's almost like a clustering going on of like the more distant they feel and now they feel like it's, oh, I have to like keep her off the radar because she's going to freak out and think I'm just like her ex-boyfriend because I'm struggling with who I am right now. I have no one to talk to. I feel more and more alone. I feel more and more isolated. I don't know what to do, right? When in reality, if you as their partner can look at them and say, I know I've been hurt in the past. I know that any kind of emotional shift or energy shift that I feel can kind of be scary for you to process, but I need you to know I'm looking at you and you're not my ex. You're not my ex. You might be struggling with things that could parallel that with, but I I know you're not my ex. I know that you are not filling me with vitriol and trying to deprecate me and trying to manipulate me. I know that you're struggling. And I know that that might impact me, but I want you to know that I can differentiate those two things right now. So that's what I want you to, this is why I'm telling you, it's a very high level skill processing. But if you can get to the point where your partner can struggle a little bit, maybe not with like outward, outright infidelity, but like something that's mimicking like, I don't know, you just kind of feel like you don't want to hang out with me anymore. I can tell you're hanging out with your friends more. And like, I don't know, like I don't feel like we've had a real conversation or our sex life is dwindling or whatever. Like if you guys can create a dialogue that is like open and honest and nourishing, that 
tension together, that's an opportunity for them to do the same thing that you did at the beginning of the episode. You can even say, it sounds like something's coming up for us. Maybe you need a few minutes or a couple of days to process that tension. Do you want to come back at this together when you feel like you can gauge how you feel about this, right? Like we're safe Mm -hmm. to do that processing together. Yes. Uh, That differentiation point that you made is so, so key. This is the ability to be able to differentiate this person who's in front of you as the real unique human individual that they are differentiated from past exes of yours or even just like future fears you might have of who they might turn into or whatever, you know what I mean? Just like fantasy versions of them or conglomerations of people from your past, like to actually hold space for the individual in front of you, see them for who they are, hear them for who they are, give them that freedom and that space to show up authentically in front of you with the fullness of who they actually are and know that they're safe to do that and you're not going going to like filter them through some lens. Or the narrative. You're not going to filter them or, through the old exactly, narrative. Exactly. Exactly. That is that is really 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 strong relationship work and relationship skills because as I said at one point um you know it's they might not have the same relationship traumas that you have from the past. Um maybe some there might be some like overlap but they are still an individual and chances are they have their own (laughs) issues and traumas from their childhood, their upbringing, their past friendships, their past relationships. So if you, it's literally like a mutuality of compassion and healing that's going on here because you're sitting there with all of your anxieties and your fears and your pains and your traumas. And so are they. So it's like, you have to be willing to hold space for their processing and their, realities as well as your own. And this is hard work, guys. Like interpersonal relationship work is so difficult because it's complicated and it's so painful and it does require so much vulnerability. Vulnerability is difficult. But ultimately, that's why I kind of started with that coming from that place of autonomously desiring that type of relationship because of how scary it is and how vulnerable it is, it has to feel autonomous. You have to go into this going, whoo, this is going to be work and it's going to be scary. And there's going to be moments where I'm going to feel a lot of tension as I grow, but I'm ready for it. And I want it because I want to know what it's like to experience a relationship built on mutuality and communication and trust and warmth and love and all of that. Right. So like, you got to want it. Because that's what's going to kind of like ground you in those super scary moments. Well, okay. And this is where this is going to be like maybe a hard pill to swallow for some people. But like, I'm going to say it anyways, because that's how I roll. Uh, (laughs) So warning might be hard to hear this. We don't get to tell people, you can tell me anything. Like bestie, my best friend sitting in front of me right now, CA, you can tell me anything. I don't get to say that to her if I know that there are at least 10 topics she can't discuss with me without me assigning a narrative onto it. So for example, I can't look at my partner and tell them everything is safe to talk about 
We can talk about anything. If you're having a hard time, if you're attracted to somebody else, if you want to, you know, go on a guy's trip, if you want to move here, you can tell me anything. Everything's safe. Nothing's off the table. There's no wrong answers here, right? And then the second he says, you know, like, I don't know. I just thought she was really, like, attractive. And you're like, what? And then you immediately jump down their throat. Wait, yeah. what did you just say? I, I I just, I don't know. I thought she was, like, I just thought she was attractive. So what does that mean? You don't, you don't care about me? Insert the narrative, right? You don't care? You don't think I'm attractive? And I'm saying this for a reason. Because when you are emotionally processing with someone and you say that to them, you need to be prepared with your tension points. Ask yourself, what are the tension points that I struggle with when someone dialogues them with me? So for some people, it's politics. For some people, it's religion. For some people, it's intimacy, fidelity, the level of discrepancy in relationships. Sometimes people are like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay if my friend, you know, or like that person comes in and like, I know they're always flirty. I don't care. Like shrugs. Like, and it's a real authentic truth. Like they really don't care if their partner's flirting with somebody. Right. But the problem becomes if you don't know your tension points and you tell them everything's on the table and then they come to you and say, you know, I'm not sure I want to be this religion anymore. Well, then what did we do? You want to you're divorcing me. That's not what they said. They were trying to dialogue that something about their perception about a topic that's sensitive is changing. And so when you look at your partner and you go, I want to openly process the tension. I want to be able to develop this skill set, but I will not disclose to you which topics will be off limits and which topics, if you entertain them, I will immediately ascribe a narrative to you that you will not be able to unlink. I will continually bring it up. Oh, it's because you thought she was, oh, you think that girl's hot now? Yeah, you think she's hot, right? There's the passiveness. There's that passive aggressiveness, like, because he wanted to explain to you that, like, because he's partnered with you, it doesn't mean that he never looks at other people, but you see that as a threat. So now you're passively being like, oh, don't talk to me about that. I'd rather know, like, I, guys, I literally hear people tell me this. I know that my partner, like, goes out and, like, to the strip club, but I don't want to know. I don't want to know that about him. I don't want to know that part of him. I don't want to admit that that's real. And I go, what are you saying? What are you saying? Like, genuinely, what are you saying in that statement? Because what you're basically saying is, I can acknowledge that that person has a part of them that wants to entertain that, you know, I guess like exercise of sexuality or whatever that is. Um, and I could even get so far as to admit that I don't, I might, I know they're going on a boy's trip. Wink, wink. Don't tell me what's going on, right? You're blatantly telling them, shut out a part of your life and your processing and do not allow me to be involved in any of that. It causes too much tension. It causes too much activation. And I refuse to process that tension. 
right? So that's what I wanted you guys, this is where it's a sensitive point, okay? Because when we're talking about internally processing the tension that comes up in a relationship, sure, that in and of itself is very, very hard work. But then when we get to the point of processing in a mutual space with the partner and you look at your partner and you go, I want to have a relationship that's authentic, that's that's respecting each other's autonomy, that's exploring each other's like new and evolution of self and self and who they are. And if you start understanding your religious beliefs or your political, like I want to know these things. I want to be involved in these things. But you do not disclose that... XYZ is off limits and I will immediately be triggered and I will immediately be activated. That's not necessarily fair. Okay. It's not, it's not. because you're, you're the, the person sitting there going, well, you said we were safe to talk about this. What you're doing right now is not an indication of safety whatsoever. Right. When they start, you know, kind of activating and, and exploding. My question becomes, say they did disclose it and they said, Hey, I am at a place right now where like I have so much woundedness around religion that like I genuinely like I am not a safe person to talk to (laughs) about that topic right now. Just kind of like letting you know from the get go just to know that that's like a hot topic. Um, I guess my question becomes, so say I'm the other partner and I am going through kind of like a religious transformation or exploration. And like, I genuinely want to process that. But my partner has told me I can't talk. They're not a safe person to talk to about that with them. At what point do I broach that gap and communicate that that gap exists there in a way that is kind of like hindering my level of intimacy with them. Like I want to be able to talk and explore this with them. Can I like what I want to say rights, but like what, you know, like place do I have in the relationship to encourage their processing around that so that they can become a safe person for me to talk? Like, how do I say to them? Like, I would love to explore this with you. Like, is there any way that you think you might be able to do some personal work around that so that we could get to a place to safely talk about that. Like I want to respect you and I don't want to activate you and bring things up that you're not ready to, I don't want to go against your consent, right? Like if you tell me you do not consent to talk about a topic, I'm not trying to go against it. And I want to talk about it. So how do we bridge that gap? Right. I mean, to me, I feel like it's about mutually developing strategies together. So for example, if me and you were having this conversation and we were partnered and you're like, I can't talk about this, but I'm like, that's really important for me to talk about. I might say something like, so in this place, my hope is that we could eventually talk about that. I'm not going to pressure you to all of a sudden wake up tomorrow and have all of this like, you know, processed out. But I want to make sure that you're not going to feel upset if I go to my close friend and start processing some of that with her, because that is kind of a level of intimacy that I know sometimes partners want to be prioritized over. So if I'm going to my best friend instead of you, I want to make sure that you are on board with that and you're not feeling that's a slight to us. 
So if I play this out, though, like, let's not play it out all roses and daisies. The partner might be like, no, I don't want you to process that with your best friend. So that would be a moment of reflecting what just occurred, right? Okay, so see, you just shared with me that you do not want me to process any of this with you. And then I'm attempting to find an alternative, healthy, respectful person to process this with. And you also don't want me to process with them. So at that point, this is starting to feel as though this is like thwarting my ability to evolve into who I need to be around this processing. And it actually feels like that, that almost feels like it's a hindrance to my processing. Right. So can we dialogue about that? Because you might not be actually acknowledging that that's what's occurring. You might not be realizing what's occurring in this moment. But as I reflect on what's happening, that's actually what it starts feeling like. It feels as though like I truly am not able to move forward in this processing because you are looking at this dynamic almost as like a gatekeeping of the processing, right? And those are the tough conversations. This is why I wanted to play it out with like roses and daisies because your partner, your roses and daisies partner might be like, yeah, go ahead. I don't like, I don't care who you talk to about this, whatever. I just need time. I need time because that's a lot of information that you threw at me and, you know, we'll touch base later. That's kind of a seemingly smooth ride conversation, right? What I just laid out for you, though, that is kind of a like apex moment for some relationships where if their partner continually says, I refuse, you do not get to process this with anybody else because I will look at that as like an emotional intimacy breach. And I refuse to jump when you say jump because you apparently had this religious awakening and I don't want to go go along with it. Now we're really getting down to some meat and potatoes because we're really talking about individual autonomy that exists in a mutual dynamic. And maybe this is the topic for another day, but that sounds like I think we do a pin. <laughs> that sounds like a pin. Yeah, we do have to probably pin that because we're we're approaching almost an hour. So, but think about that for a second. We're 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 trying to get down to when there are hard roads, hard like stops in relationships. Sometimes that opens up new boxes that are really deeply wounded conceptualizations that take a lot of work to untangle. So what me and CA just tapped into is if your partner conceptualizes relationships as at the heart of our, at the heart of our heart of our relationship, you don't get to have autonomy. That's a conversation to have. That is a very deep conversation to have. But ultimately, I think the uh, the takeaway from this particular topic, just to kind of like circle it all back, had to do with being mindful of how you move forward in the process of rewriting a new narrative for yourself, how you want relationship to look and feel moving forward in a healthy way after you have experienced 
real and true valid pain from past experiences. And so hopefully we gave you some good skills to navigate what that awareness looks like, what that work looks like, what some of those techniques look like, and how to develop a new narrative for yourself and for the relation for a new relationship. And it's not easy and it's nuanced. And I'm sure we missed a million different types of angles of ways to look at this, but yes, that's what we have for you today. Um, As always, send us any suggestions. We've had so many recently. That's been amazing. So we will see you next time. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in. If anything we said resonated, please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. This absolutely helps us grow, and we really do value your voice on this podcast. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute, any tips, any topics, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at unlearned at recollectedself.com. You can find us on Instagram at the unlearned podcast or individual Instagrams at recollectedself and CAs is at embracing divergence. You can also find us over on TikTok under those handles. If you want to join our Patreon for $5 a month, you can be our coffee fiend club member. And that's going to give you access to our podcast within a podcast, which is called unhinged. This is basically where we let loose completely unedited we are literally just shooting the breeze having fun you can see our full personalities and it is a blast honestly it's pretty fun so if you want to join us you can find that at patreon.com unlearned and that's it the last thing i want to tell you is i want you to be brave enough to fight for the person you want to become and this is how we do the work